when I'm in my office with a client and they say to me, do you think I'm really messed up? Do you think like, am I your worst client? Am I, am, is what I'm going through just so shocking? And every time I think like, gosh, if we, if we could like go around in our life and show people our wounds, like how connecting would that be? Hello friend. I'm so grateful that you're here. You're listening to Your Spin Out is Gorgeous, a podcast of communion, a place where we connect within the full spectrum of humanity. My name is Natalie Q, and I'm your host. I'm a mother, a lover, a friend, and your fellow human. What I want to offer you is liberation from the cultural foists, the narratives that are thrust upon us and guide much of our experience here on the planet. I'm with you on your journey of unlearning. What if everyone you knew was pursuing a life of whole self-integration, witnessing and offering thanks for all that they are, warts and all? That's not just self-care, that's true, unconditional self-love. And I want to be there with you as you set your life and all the things that aren't serving you alight. With you as you bravely consider life from another perspective. Let's explore all things humanity without the veneer, together. Life examined, not just the pretty parts. You in? Let's do this. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me on this first episode. I am beyond ecstatic to have you here and I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm freaking out. My sphincter is tight. Um, Okay, delete. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm not going to. On this episode, I have my very good friend, Heather Holmgren. She's the founder and practice consultant and a relationship expert of Simple Modern Therapy, and she has so much to offer us. We have our whole episode, um, a whole episode that we've done together that'll be coming out in a couple weeks, but for now, she's got a little teaser as we sort of explore the concept. And then I also have my very good friend, Jackie, from Sydney, who is kind of going to remain on the down low and a little bit anonymous-ish, but we had great chats with um, both of them, and so I'll let those interviews play. But first, I just, I do, I want to address how my vulnerability hangover, thank you, Brene Brown, for the words, um, for what I'm feeling. This is terrifying, and it's scary, and there's a great Ira Glass quote. In fact, I'm going to pull it up. You know, every great podcaster, if you're not obsessed with Ira Glass, You just don't even belong in podcasting. Um, But he's got this quote about when you're starting out, and it really encapsulates how I have felt and different ways that um, I've let things not being perfect or not totally knowing the way hold me back for a long time. And I was in this really great writing group as well with Linda Sievertson of Beautiful Writers Podcast. I was in the Beautiful Writers group for years, and her co um, lead on that Samantha Bennett, wonderful Samantha Bennett. <laughs> we were once on a coaching call and we're all worried about our work and our writing and so important, right? And what will people think? And it's so precious to us, you know, which is all of how I feel about this podcast. But she just said, who said art had to be good? And I really, on the one hand, I so agree. And that, I, if that you know, liberates anybody who wants to produce art and make something good and help people and help yourself have a project that's part of your own healing. I hope that that helps you in the way that it has for me. But on the other hand, you know, I really value your time and there are a lot of ways you could be spending it. And I never want to, you know, put something out there that that takes advantage or wastes your time. Um, 
Ira Glass as well. Let's let's go back to him. Um, this is the quote. Nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone had told me. All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste. But there's a gap. For the first couple of years, you make stuff. It's just not that good. It's trying to be good. It has potential. <laughs> but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have this special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you're just starting out or if you're still in this phase, you got to know it's normal. And the most important thing you can do is a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you will finish one story. It's only by going through the, a volume of work that you will close the gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took longer to figure out how to do this than anyone I've ever met. And it's going to take a while. And it's normal to take a while. And you've got to fight your way through. Amen, Ira. Thank you so much. And it is so true. And it is how I feel. I, I feel a little backdoor braggy <laughs> reading that aloud, though. Like, oh, I'm a tastemaker and I know it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Just kidding. No, I, I mean, it's true. The The vision for what this could be and, and, and how it feels and what it means to me will possibly, you know, not live up to that. I, I can already see it. There's technical glitches. There's, you know, dogs barking in some episodes. There's um, the platform that I'm using, um, anchor.fm. I'm sorry, not anchor, wrong one. I am using anchor, but Squadcast to record. There's some little glitchiness and little moments where I don't know how their software works, if it's trying to not have us talk over each other. All of these things are just, I just take this very um, critical eye to it. And I just want it to be perfect and serve you and not be frustrating to listen to because it's so glitchy, but we will get there. I promise. And in the meantime, thank you so much for your patience. It means the world to me. To the show. Here's Heather, and then it'll be on to Jackie. Okay, welcome to the show, Heather Holmgren. <laughs> Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm honored. It's my pleasure because I love you. I just, everyone, I, oh, I need to start over. I'm already cutting this out. You know why? Because I just broke the cardinal rule of radio where you never acknowledge that there's more than one listener. Did I already tell you this? No. Yeah. See, I can always tell when someone has been classically radio trained as a podcaster. Maybe I'll just keep this in. But it's very hard not to do because you want to go, hey, everyone, everyone. But you're always supposed to address everyone as just you, as if it's just one person. And actually, you know what? I did always want to talk about this on the podcast. I didn't know I'd be leading with it. But when I was in radio as well, you also, when you're a DJ, have an avatar in your mind. And so we had these male-dominated stations. There were seven stations that I worked for at the radio and female-driven stations. And you would not, it would blow your mind what the customer, the client, listener avatar looked like. I mean, we all need to have that in our business, right? Sure. Absolutely. Your idea. <laughs> and they had like an entire tree down to like on this one female driven station. She thought she was fat. 
she thought her boyfriend was cheating on her. You know, she's she had a name. She lives in West Jordan. She has 2.5 kids, that kind of a thing. Our one for one of our male-driven stations was like this guy. I think he was 27. I can't remember what his name was. But he, we, we picture him in our mind, like we're talking to him as we are DJing on the radio. And then we also imagine though, that his girlfriend is in the next room listening. I know kind of detailed, right? So anyway, I, I don't even know if that's interesting to anybody, but I hope it's interesting to some podcasters because every time I hear them ad- address me as everyone, I'm a friggin' pissed because I want to hear you and you alone, Natalie, are listening to this podcast. And I hope to never break that rule ever again. And I've totally probably broken another rule by breaking the fourth wall, but oh, well, we're, we're breaking it. We're coming for you in 2020. <laughs> we're we're smashing it up. Anyway, I am so glad you're here. I just love this bitch. Where I'm part of reclaiming the word bitch, so don't think I'm really calling Heather a bitch. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> she is. She's an amazing bitch, and we're gonna have just a conversation about this podcast and what people can expect. Sorry, excuse me. What you can expect. And, and yeah, just, I just want to let everybody know what's good about spinouts and midlife crisis, quarter life crisis, um, identity crisis. I actually am so excited to get into identity crisis, most embarrassing moments, lows, just dive all into it. But I also want to talk about, um, what it's like to make a podcast that feels really personal and, um, some of the ethos of, I tried to start a podcast four years ago or three, it might've been three. Did I tell you this about my other part? I think I did probably yeah, briefly. Yeah, you may have refresh my memory. Let's call it escape. The narrative was what it was going to ca- be called. And I, uh, edit, I recorded 10 episodes and then I couldn't release them because it felt too personal. And every time I say that, I think, Oh, I was definitely clearly making it all about me if I felt like this uh, podcast was too personal to be released. But that the the intent of that and and what the topic meant to me was stories of unlearning and the unlearning process, stories of transcendence, and what it looks like to deeply assess the narratives and the running script in your mind, whether it's stories you're telling yourself that are repeating or you're telling them yourself these stories because they've been told to you. So assessing the cultural narratives within the landscape for all of us. Um, and, and I thought it was great. It was, but it was just too personal and it was a personal time. And I think we'll sort of talk more about that when you come from a culture, we come from the same culture of, um, there is a little bit within it and, and especially for women too, like living for other people and trying to don't ruffle feathers and don't, don't make anyone feel uncomfortable or say things that are uncomfortable truths. So I think the same for this podcast is that, um, it's meant to liberate and free other people, but there's some people close to me where, I've always felt like hmm, I'm coming in with this whole ethos of eradicating shame, but then by telling some of my most shameful stories, I'm bringing shame to um, 
some of the people closest to me, but now we'll get into some of that. But from there, I I had a radio show as well about the human story of business building and entrepreneurship. And so the intent there has always been about people's real stories. And someone should copy this. Maybe it exists in some other forms or I'll do it again because I loved it. Don't sell me your product through just telling me about your product. Don't sell me your business about telling me about your business. Tell me about your divorce in the middle of trying to get your startup off the ground. Or tell me about, oh my God, I had this funniest one. He's a billionaire now. He's um, the guy who started in, one of the guys who started in Trotta. And this was a funny story. You see all those billboards here, right? In Utah for that one and Homie. So it was actually the guy who started Homie. Um, and I think, God, I might be mixing. I'm interviewed so many people. I might be mixing them up, but this was hilarious and, and was totally the intention of the pod or that radio show. He was at BYU with like five other guys and they had a contest to, by the way, you listener can just, for your benefit, I'm just seeing Heather nod along as I just like completely <laughs> tie it the floor. So she's nodding with me. I hope you are too. As I talk, everyone's here. I've, I've heard of this contest. Yes. Anyway, the they bucket list guy was did this contest. By the way, that wasn't for you. That was for me. Just like I got the microphone. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Like, give me my fucking microphone and my soapbox because I am gonna go. I'm gonna pop off when I pop. Oh, Daniel. <laughs> I promise to like very rarely sing on this podcast, but it might happen. Anyway, so yes, this contest at BYU where they give a startup like $20,000 or something and he won it and they started in Trotta first. And it was just that like trunky, like trying to get a business off the ground. And at one point he was so poor. <laughs> he at BYU had to rent out his bedroom to keep the business of <laughs> and live in his closet and this is a real (laughs) story I'm actually not fucking with you that is a real story and that's the kind of shit I love so I would interview entrepreneurs like that because there's such a story and I interviewed my favorite vodka dented brick about they had like wanted to do this like Mormon tea vodka as sort of a play on some of the fun stuff here in Utah yeah and Right. And there was some legal reason why they couldn't. And it, it's the story of what led them to this artesian well in South Salt Lake, where they get their water supply. Anyway, I don't know why. I think that kind of stuff is interesting and, and the way that it dovetails with people's humanity. And, and I just, I'll never stop being curious about people's humanity. The humanity of infidelity, the humanity of infertility, the humanity of domestic violence, the humanity of starting a business, the humanity of going to a rave down by the airport with a story I just told, which I will never tell on this podcast unless I'm really drinking heavily. Never say never. <laughs> I know. Exactly. So anyway, so I take like this is to me just all the stuff I've always been interested packaged in a new form, which is how do you tell these stories through the lens of the lowest point of them? And how do you mine those caverns for the, the wisdom or the, even like bringing light into the shadow? Like it's a really dark time, but what's 
what's the silver lining to it? Because there always is one. And it isn't just that, oh, it was really low. And then I got my shit together. And now I'm a New York Times bestselling author. Like, snore fast, boring. I don't care. You can get that on any other podcast. And actually, a lot of podcasts I like and listen to. Um, but I, I want to give people something new. And I want people to have a deeper sense of love for themselves and and for all the people walking around this planet who are just probably somewhere on the spin out scale every single person you pass every day so yeah you what do you what do you think heather where where are we at i really love that that this is where um this conversation go is going because it makes me think of these times when um, I should insert in here. I'm a mental health therapist. When I'm in my office with a client and they say to me, do you think I'm really messed up? Do you think like, am I your worst client? Am I, am, is what I'm going through just so shocking? And every time I think like, gosh, if we, if we could like go around in our life and show people our wounds, like how connecting would that be? I want to say to these people who are sitting across from me talking about like their pain and their hurt and their shame, um, I want to be able to say to them, like, spend spend a day in my world and you can see that this is in all of us, that we all have this story of, you know, like difficulty. If we've lived long enough, we've lived hard enough. And I I love that your podcast is really speaking to like what you have gone through in terms of like what your hard enough has been that has propelled you to the point where you are now, but also giving other people an opportunity to give voice to that, to, to let people see, like, I am all of these things. I'm, you know, the owner of this great business or, you know, this influencer or this incredible parent, but I also, you know, have come to this place in my life because of the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. I love what you're saying. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't love that even hard enough. Like double tap. I, I'm actually obsessed with it because it's so true. I know when I'm listening to a podcast and it's all like fancy, fancy, fancy. Like I got the prize. I'm on my way to Nobel peace prize. I got my New York times bestseller and you're just like, fuck. Wow. Okay. Um, I know I've done some cool things and in a lot of ways I've lived a life that you know, is, is, I could be jealous of my own self. You know, nobody needs to be jealous of me. Like I've traveled the world. I've lived really high. I have an education. You know, I have dreams. I, I have talents, all these things. But there's other times when you're just living your life day to day, when we're just, we're not living there. We're not, there was even that story. I, I think I've told this a million times if I, as I've explained the podcast. And I could be wrong that it's in Simon Sinek's book. That guy who, um, dreamed of being on the New York Times bestseller list for 25 years, made it, celebrated three days. And then by the third day, he was suicidal. And that's actually a legit story. Like we just don't, we don't live at these pinnacles that we revere and celebrate and the things we're jealous of other people. We live in breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The laundry basket is full. I feel like a failure. Um, it's so funny, like, but I, I can't stop, like, sort of, in so many ways, projecting this outward image. The other day, I went to Whole Foods, 
<laughs> and I just, I'm in my bathroom writing and at home working a lot of the day. So I just was like, okay, I need to go to the store. I better put on some real clothes. Like my sweats, <laughs> I can't even wear my sweats. They're like stained of barbecue sauce and gross <laughs> human juices, whatever. <laughs> So I, I put on this crumpled up pantsuit that is actually a very sexy keyhole suit, but I didn't even put it on properly because I barely can do that. And so I just slung it over my shoulder and just put on my coat, like hoping it didn't come untied. And everyone's like, oh, you look great. You look great. But I can't stop, stop saying like, no, I need you to know I'm probably not wearing underwear. I guarantee my socks don't match. I guarantee like the, one of them is actually probably an ankle sock and one is a fuzzy sock and they're not clean. I probably got them out of the laundry basket, if not the floor. Like I put on makeup just to come to the store and then I'll probably go home and wash it off. And I don't even know why I did that. It seems like mental illness, but I I guess that's what society expects of me. But I don't want to, I don't want to just like live there in the veneer. I want people to know who I really am and I want to know who people really are. And I don't think I fit. I think I have an open thread when I'm on a podcast and someone is all pinnacle, 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 but then there's some little nugget they give me of like, Oh, but this one time, um, I, I, I ran out of money and I had to face what that is. And I'm like, oh, I've experienced that. I know what that's like, or I know what that's like to fear. And you're, you're so right. Like we feel the resonance, which is all I want to feel with people when we're talking about who we really, really are not just this half of myself, or actually not even half, that's extremely overly generous, this 10th of myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of stuck on the fact that people at Whole Foods recognized who you were and thought you looked great. I go into Whole Foods and <laughs> no one talks to me. They're all, all the sweats, all the stains, all the, you know, yeah, you live in the fancy part of town. Actually, I live in like an okay part of town too, but yours has got to have all the transients and stuff. Mine is like very community-based and I live four minutes away from it. And I feel like I'm on extremely close, like confronting terms with at least seven of the checkers. And one, I mean, some of them, there's not even, I would just say like sexual tension, but that kind of like weird, like... Oh, like I wouldn't dress up for them. I would never even date them. But I, we are actually on a first name basis. Let's just say that. And that's men and women. And I just, I don't know. I do go into Whole Foods sometimes looking like garbage. And maybe that's why they think I look so good when I'm actually like flinging a pantsuit over <laughs> my shoulder, praying no gusts of wind come and open it. I mean, then that's like multiple times. Same too with like the, the issue. If you like, ah, there's no clean underwear. You know, it's so funny too. I, I, I do have an issue keeping underwear clean and so that I can have them. So I've pretty much just stopped wearing them, but you know what pair is always clean? A pair of crotchless undies. And now <laughs> this is not, leave you. I don't, it, I, I don't even think I've ever once had like a sexual experience in these crotchless undies. I think I bought them. I don't even know why. 
I, I'm, I'm not even sure what I was thinking, but I don't even think I've once used them in sex, but they're always clean. And so it's like, great. Okay. The one day <laughs> they're crotchless is so I guess that's going to be something that's integrated into my life when I see people at Whole Foods and I've definitely given them my card and said, listen to my podcast. I'm in trouble. <laughs> abort, abort. Oh, just kidding. Okay. So on that note, this sort of um, is a great spot to address like coming from conservative culture and having a family like I do that's um, conservative and, and religious and we don't share the same values in that way. And it's so funny that um, leading up to this, recording this, um, I hadn't told my parents. I've announced it on different social medias that I have. My close friends know down to like my B, C, D, F list friends know. Um, but I hadn't, I hadn't told my mom. And then just right leading up to this conversation, I told her. And it was just a really big ball fest. And she was so lovely and supportive, but there is, I mean, again, breaking the fourth wall, there is such a weird relationship to wanting to go, you know what? I want to talk about my sex life and I want to talk about my drug use and I want to talk about, um, drinking myself to death in different parts of, you know, my experience and reality and the relationship to like being somebody's kid whatever that person believed and what, however wide the chasm was between their value systems. It actually reminds me of a story I was thinking of. I was at this amazing 40th birthday party in Sydney before I moved home. And this was just like the party of my dreams. In fact, I was at the party in the bathroom, a couple drinks down and I started crying because I was like, I'm 30, whatever years old, I'm 33 years old and I've never been to a party like this. Like it was like waiters and tequila shots on arrival and beautiful like decorations and staffing. And it was just like the party of my dreams. But I know at that party, someone was doing Coke in the bathroom and their mom walked in. I think it was like maybe the birthday girl or maybe the birthday girl's sister walked in on her as she's like snorting a line of coke and i remember hearing this story of just like hmm okay that happened and it sort of felt a little bit like that for me thinking of like my family i'm you're going you're you're walking in the bathroom and i'm snorting this line of coke that's so cool um now we're going to deal with this right and how do you how do people who are soft and caring and sensitive and empathetic move through the world with their dreams and their passions and what they wanted, the conversations they want to have and the truths they want to speak that upset people. Yeah. You tell me this, Natalie, because I'm curious, you, you say you have this conversation with your mom and I think that most of us have this experience of like, want like we're seeking the approval of our caregivers mm -hmm. them to say you've done a good job and we love you and we accept you and we're so proud of you and i'm hearing you say like i share this with my mom it's a great moment also like 
how much of this thing that I'm doing that I'm really proud of, do I like, how much do I want her to be exposed to that? Yeah. And my sisters and their husbands. Yeah. All of them. It's so tricky that, like I said, it's like, I want to go out there and have a big conversation that the intent is to eradicate shame. And then all of it is like drawing shame to my family because nobody drinks, not even coffee. Nobody wears tank tops. And how do we, um, it's also a side of them that I've never shown them that now this is public and they can listen. And I don't know. I think there's going to be a weird period. I, I had a big cry to my mom as I actually really shared a lot of stuff. I just planned on sharing on the podcast. I went to a writing retreat a few years ago with a really prolific writer who wrote sort of a, it wasn't necessarily like a controversial book, but it was a saucy book that involved sexual prostitution type themes. And um, when she wrote it, her parents didn't speak to her for four years. And I've known this was I, I can't stop talking about stuff publicly and writing stuff publicly. And it's like, okay, am I going to lose my family? It's terrifying. But I shared that story with my mom as we're like, literally as like my face, even here, I think I just bawled it all off. Um, she it was amazing. My dad was there too. And he was amazing too. <laughs> he was a man of few words, but um, yeah, he, it was great. It, it They were so supportive. I haven't really confronted it with my sisters or other people close to me, but um, they're going to listen or they're not. Our relationship's going to be impacted or they're not. I think I mentioned this to you as well, that really sweet girl. It's so, it is really weird as well, talking about people who've been a part of your story, especially if they're in your life. And I've got a really close girlfriend from college who's been one of the most supportive, amazing, wonderful people um, who's still in my life, which so few from before I was 29 and left the church are. But she is, and she's wonderful. But she said someone was popping off about the church on Facebook and wrote me a, a private message saying, thanks so much for never doing that. And I, I totally respect her and understand how this sounds to her and what it means. This isn't just one occurrence of this being said. This is said implicitly and explicitly over and over and over about um, thank you for staying small and thank you for conforming to my worldview. Thank you for staying in my lane, not your lane. Thank you for not saying things that upset me. Thank you for never speaking truths that don't align with how I perceive um, everything, reality, culture, society, the church, it's, it's difficult, but I can't do it anymore. Can I, can I say something about this? No, (laughs) of course, please. I like, I have so much to say about this and I hope that my thoughts can be well formed. I've been thinking about this concept a lot because I've been doing some reading on, um, the use of uh, restraints in institutions, in mental health institutions. And, um, 
you know, I, I like have learned through my reading that, um, you know, that America has this long history of using restraints in institutions um, to like from a perspective of, you know, trying to promote safety for the person who's being restrained. Um, but it's, it's led to like to death, to injury, to traumatization. And, uh, you know, if we look at like England's history, for instance, they use very, they use restraints like very, very, very rarely, uh, only in the cases of where, where someone is in active harm to themselves or someone else. Um, and so like, I'm sitting here thinking like, why do we restrain people? Why are we doing this? Why are we promoting something that we know based on research actually like can kill people really, really hurts people. And I like this thought occurred to me of like, we're not trying to keep the institutionalized person safe. We're trying to keep ourselves safe. Like we feel safe when someone is tied down, we feel safe when someone is immobilized, when someone fits into a box for us. And I, I think so much that, you know, in our families, in our religions, in society, we restrain people. We say, like, in order for me to feel safe, you have to act a certain way. Amen. And then we're responsible for freeing ourselves, which is so, so difficult. And again, is why I love that you are doing what you're doing, because it's a way of saying, like, I have to free myself. Mm-hmm. The truth really does set you free. It really does. And I, I, that's all I want for me and for anyone. And I don't want to make it so personal, but I don't think I'll ever stop talking about how hard this has been and why it's taken me years and that it impacts me personally in my real life, but I can't stop doing it. Um, did we talk about the book, um, Educated, Tara Westover? And it's not just because she was Mormon as well, because I agree with her that the story has so very little to do with Mormonism. But the end, I mean, I was literally electrified because she was extricating herself from everyone else's narrative. And I get it. Everyone else that I ever talk about on this podcast is going to have a different reality and a different reality about me and what happened. Absolutely. And you're allowed that. And if actually you want to come on this podcast ever and talk to me about it, you're more than welcome to do it. But in that moment, as she freed herself from those constraints and owned her story, claimed it, it's mine. This is mine too. And why I don't want to make it about me or personal. I loved, you know, for example, um, Cheryl Strayed, Steve Allman, Dear Sugar Radio, the way that it was so personalized because you knew, I hate that they don't make this fucking podcast anymore is my favorite. Um, People writing in, asking for advice. Cheryl had been so free, especially with rape, being raped, her mother's death at, you know, early twenties, what she had experienced when you're hearing how the person conducting the interview is receiving the other person's reality, there's something just so much more tangible about that context being laid that you can understand why this person talking about their version 
of the truth and their ugly truth and their spin out means so much to me personally. That's important for me to communicate without it being a podcast about me, which it's certainly not. But that's powerful. You you did it. You you said it. you articulated that beautifully. Well, and I mean, isn't isn't it about isn't it about you though, Natalie? Oh, it's all about me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, but I mean it is. People need to know me. I don't I there's nothing worse than a sterile host, right? Like someone that just won't give anything up and you don't know anything about the way they're thinking or processing something or what their personal relation to something is. Yeah, there's there's no um there's there's no resonance with with someone who isn't willing to share. And I just I'm, oh, frick, I'm ready. I'm ready to share it. I'm confessing my sins, all of them, because I want forgiveness. <laughs> Self-forgiveness. That's right. Exactly. Nobody <laughs> holds those keys but me. <laughs> I can forgive myself right now. Just kidding. No, yeah, it's 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 a really, really interesting um, topic to explore. And I'm excited. And I hope we get, I've already talked to authors and coaches. I've got, um, I've talked to you. Our episode is coming up where we learn a little bit more about you and what this concept means to you. I can't wait to release that. I hope we have other people who, um, it will always also be about there. I mean, there's a lot of podcasts who help people get out of spin out. Um, and I think those are kind of interesting. If I could bring into the mix, my different ways and, and different authors and different methods that have served me, that might be cool. Like neuroscientists, people, but even ordinary people, ordinary people have so much to offer in terms of sharing story and different wounds that they've, you know, alchemized to wisdom. And there's, there's no, I think I'm, I'm in here in an untapped market because it's kind of like food, right? <laughs> we all eat, we all spin out. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. If we've lived long enough, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love you. And I can't wait for our episode to air in a couple of weeks. I'm I hope that you you just need to be a recurring guest. This will be a recurring segment where, you know, we'll we'll have interviews and we'll have people where it's just their story one-on-one. But then, you know, every six or so episodes, I do want to bring people from my own life who are so dialed into the theme and being able to articulate how, you know, their own experience and what it might mean for the listener and um, just coming to church. We're communing. Although I don't think, I don't think anybody, go ahead. I just, you just deserve an opportunity to, to like have a space to be seen and to be heard. And you're offering so much to, to, um, you know, to me, to, to like, to listener. And, uh, I'm just so excited to see where this journey takes all of us, because I think, you know, through these stories, there's catharsis, there's learning, there's growth. And there is that idea of connection of like, we're not alone. Um, in this world. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I love you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Okay. And welcome to the show, Jackie, my wife. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Ivy. <laughs> so amazing to be on your show. 
I wouldn't have it any other way. We probably need to clarify because, you know, I just went to my 20 year high school reunion last summer and they had, you had left some messages on my social media. Hey, wifey and wife. And remember that girl took you actually serious that you hadn't seen her in 20 years, a really good girlfriend from high school going, it's okay. It's okay that you're married to a woman. Now bring your wife. We want to so I guess maybe for context, we do need to let people know you're not my actual wife. People know that's a joke. Apparently they don't. No, but we met. Being a lot on social. I know. We met uh, coming up, God, about eight years ago. Yeah. It'll be. And when I was living in Sydney. That's right. And um, I was recently going through my divorce. I was in the thick of it. And you were right on the heels. You were just going through everything I had gone through the year before because you were questioning yours too. So it kind of was a nice little mutual divorce born spin out. <laughs> if you want to call it that. It was. And it was that gorgeous. And that's why I'm having you on. Because it was it was such a time of like, I don't know. I guess the ethos for spin out in that way. So, so many of our stories were so funny. Some stuff that we did was really, really funny. And I just want to laugh at it. I think it's hysterical and, and I want to, I want to love myself for it. I I, don't, you love yourself. Absolutely. Pretty shameful things. (laughs) Kiss and tell. Yeah. Oh my God. I actually did that on my spin out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's give some context of you. You're like a very high-powered CEO. You've built a very successful business with your first husband. On the heels of that, you've gone and are built, you know, high-powered CEO in the fintech space. But here you are as you're going through yours. And I was a little ahead of you. I was a little on solid ground and then your mid-spin out. Uh, I mean, I was never really on solid ground, just semblance of somewhat <laughs> solid ground. I know. True. I know. But there you are. I mean, we're we're just sort of beside ourselves, lost. Divorce is a great teacher, but it's horrific when you're in it. And I mean, yeah, you are. Your Your whole life path is derailed. Your visions for the future, this family that you wanted... The, the way you wanted to raise your kids, it's all gone and you're crumbling. In fact, I remember it, a moment that I experienced it. I don't know where in the the mix of it, it was within the first year I was divorced. Now, everyone said you're going to hate it and you're going to be like a mess on the floor. But I was actually the first night experiencing euphoria like I was on drugs and that's legit. But it's like you can have this great sense of freedom. And then the next minute, I remember literally seeing a homeless person in the gutter and they were probably like, I don't know if they really were 70, but they looked 70. And at the time I was going through my divorce, I was 31. And I was just like, how though? How have you kept yourself alive in this godforsaken, cruel world? Like (laughs) you might be living in a gutter now, but you've kept yourself alive for double the time that I have. And for that, I honor you, you know, like I completely honor you. So those were some of the feelings that I was feeling inside. But I mean, we were some of the crazy stuff, like going to parties and then not once, but twice. Can I just kiss and tell for you? (laughs) Not once, but twice you lost your keys at the party once 
you stumbled home with me through the forest and another time you stumbled home on your own, but both times when your keys were missing and you were slightly, extremely tipsy, you tried to break open your own door with your goddamn thousand dollar Jimmy Jim. You were successful once. I came home. I came home to your house and there was glass everywhere. The best part of it is, the best part of it is, is that your door was antique and that was like a very special custom glass. (laughs) (laughs) How much did you have to pay for that? I don't even remember, but I know I lost my Jimmy too. Yeah, I know. I know. It's so funny. So just, I mean, and we'll, we'll do more segments like this and share more of these moments. Was I talking to you the other day about that one? I was drinking heavily. I my spin out was probably after my second. I, I immediately met someone after my divorce and was with him for like almost three years. And then um it was really moving home from Australia that was my big, big, big spin out. I was so lost drinking heavily, but I was kind of like this drunk where I would drink every night and dance to techno, like rave for one, and I would clean my whole house like top to bottom so I'd wake up to this like beautiful immaculate house or I would like take off my clothes and run naked through the streets or (laughs) in a in like a place where I wasn't gonna get seen I don't know why I've always been a kind of nudist um but do you remember that time I like got drunk and I was um I ran through my whole house on a gratitude rampage and I hugged like chairs and said, Thank you for being a chair. Thank you for being a couch. Thank you for being a fridge. And I ended on my car and I started crying when I was hugging my car because I was like, You take children to school, you keep us safe. And it was like this weird, fucked up, like surrogate partner. Like I was in a relationship with my car or something. <laughs> anyway. I mean, it can come in really, really funny ways. And there, and I, I, I want to talk a lot about this on the podcast and I never want to glorify this behavior or be gratuitous in any way, or, um, you know, say something that is in opposition to true addiction or chaos or, you know, I don't know. There's, there's a sense of like, there's a responsibility here, right? To talk about this in a light that is self-honoring, that I can love that part of myself that some people say is supposed to be shameful. Because yeah. Why? Because that I was- shadow side of you, you've got to bring that shadow side to light because within that other answers. So um, you know, when you go through something as traumatic as divorce, it's a pretty, you know, significant emotional event that you go through that you then need to, you know, go and discover who you are and come back to you and, you know, work out what it is that, you know, what's what's your path because you know, a lot of people in, in marriage situations are, are not living their life. They could be living, you know, their husband's life or the vision of someone else and, you know, have lots of um, issues and unhappiness and, yeah, it's it's pretty important to you know discover who you are especially even before getting married because we got married very very young yeah that's right who you are when you're in your early 20s yeah when you look back at that time what do you think of it what do you make of it 
Yeah, what well, you? I mean, well, all the girls call it my year of <laughs> my my gap year or something. <laughs> yeah, first year. My yeah, year of, it was okay. That some of that behavior was just okay, um, but you got out of it, and you know it's what you did with it. Um, sort of after you know you, you have a spin out and you, you know excessively drink and you numb the pain because it's extremely painful and that's why people don't do these sorts of things like to you know really face the truth of you know certain things that they're unhappy with within their life so really um, a lot of people will just continue to numb the pain but I decided you know I had my spin out complete spin out for like a bit over a year and then went the complete opposite. <laughs> you bring up a good point, though, of like, this is all part of like, why is this so important to me? Why does the identity crisis, the midlife crisis, the, the crisis that you're in of loss, of something has sent you there, maybe there's something so honest about it. Like when you say, you know, people will stay in a situation. It could be anything. It could be work. And and sometimes this spin out is going to arrive. You didn't ask for it. If yeah. someone close to you dies and you're spinning out, you obviously didn't ask for that. But the, for the spin out where it is born of making a new choice or leaving something that's not serving you, that's what I want to honor because it might not have been pretty. It might have come in yeah. forms of excess and yeah, or not being yourself, being childish. Exactly. But there's a real honesty in getting to that point of actually you've leapt off some kind of bridge, just hoping that a net is there. And of course you're going to be screaming on the way down. <laughs> like, duh. You so, significant pain and significant emotions. And, you know, and not only that, you've got your family that's also going through it and you've got to, you know, try and, work out what's next and, you know, how to have two homes with your children and all sorts of things like their emotions are involved and, you know, you've got to, yeah, get get through the, the mess. Yeah, whatever this spin out is, there is always an entanglement, right? Hmm. If we could just isolate ourselves and process this alone, but obviously that's a big part of why people spin out the entanglements of different parents or husbands, wives, keeping children alive. If you have children, coworkers, keeping your professional life, you know, whatever. It, and it might not yeah, be different. Exactly. My whole you know. career was like completely, uh, I'd been, you know, working, <laughs> running a company and then I had to like go and look at everything, like completely new life, completely new career, completely new everything. It was like a, your whole, you know, sense of security was actually quite false, actually, because that's another thing is you think that you're secure in your, you know, marriage, but at the end of the day, it's not necessarily true. Um, Sorry, I cut out for just a sec. You're, it, there was a little... Burp, burp, burp. Oh, really? Say that again. Yeah. Uh, um, sense of security. So you think that mm. you have this safe place and this sense of security within a marriage or whatever, but it's actually not real. It's It's quite false. It's a false sense of security mm. because you actually have to find that within you, that you're safe and secure within you first and foremost, and the external things don't make you feel that. That's um, right. But if you've placed, yeah, if you've placed 
that identity within them, yeah. then the spin out is going to be very severe. Oh, absolutely. Because you, you're literally taking all of these, you know, pieces away from you that were really distracting you from being who you truly were and like your your actual real life path that you're supposed to be going through. So um, it was a massive self-discovery to really just walk away from something that was, you know, not serving you and to, you know, take that leap of faith and completely surrender. And that was a big thing is surrendering to the whole process. Um, but, yeah, well, like a big thing was, you know, your spin-outs, you know, you, all cool to go and do a spin-out, but it's like what you then do after your spin-out is is pretty important because you've got to snap out of it and get your shit together and, mm. and um, yeah, really work on yourself and start going, okay, what is, you know, how do I put all my pieces back together? How do I put my jigsaw back together? and make myself have solid foundations within me. So I'm like at point zero. So everything that, you know, I do from now on, it can't rock me as much. So you you can do anything in life. Um, So, you know, these last six, seven years have been pretty amazing for me in, you know, putting all my pieces back together and, and really finding my purpose and what I'm here to do and, you know, all the philanthropy things that I want to do and all the, um yeah the the company that I've built and yeah it's been a pretty amazing journey yeah and we'll get into it we'll have more segments and I want to talk about that but I I do think a lot of what's it's always the hero's journey and it's on a lot mm. of other podcasts that yeah, it, it, here comes this crisis it's a catalyst for change there's a mo- possibly a moment of like resisting it let's even call it a temper tantrum and that's what the spin out is but of course it has to go somewhere but i just find there's so much glorifying in where you went with it and what you did that it glosses over like that this is a real visceral experience Mm -hmm. in the moment that it's happening and And that yes and that it's just as much you yeah it's just as much as who you are as the the great pinnacle or the wonderful veneer like or the the part of you that that would do that the inner child we'll even call it if we want to like get all woo-woo and spiritual and technical, but seeing and witnessing and dissecting and honoring, I just, it's so much more um, interesting to me than like people's riding high and everything's great. And here's what I built. And here's my Instagram and I look great and look at me and my family. And (laughs) that was a big thing actually for me in my spin out was, uh, losing because my spin out was from my divorce and um, the, my spin out sort of happened off the back of that. But just even every time I saw families together, I'd fucking break down and cry. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. like, I just like, oh my God, it was just, yeah. Well, exactly. And no wonder someone would have a tantrum. It's like you've lost mm-hmm. that. You this beautiful and so did I my kids were in private school I lived in a penthouse I lived in a house with a pool with a tennis court I lived overseas I had I mean I can't wait to talk more about a spin out that is like a fall from grace because the identity loss of all of the things that you were wrapped up in is horrific and I think it's so juicy I think we all kind of like it if you've been through it, remember that movie Blue Jasmine we watched? 
Yeah. It was that Allen one where like the, the Kate Blanchett is married to Alec Baldwin and yeah. he's flying high and some commodities trader, stock trader, something taking helicopters and limos everywhere in Manhattan. And then not only has he been having an affair and he's leaving her, but, um, the, oh, she calls in to get him arrested for white collar crime, which he does. So she she loses her husband. She loses what she thought her marriage was. She loses all of the money. And then she's got to survive in this world with all of that loss. And how do you even begin? And I'm not even going to compare myself to that, but we learn sort of well, on the weekends. I went through a similar thing to that. but um, You did, exactly. And we learn on those bookends and extremes yeah. of how we, how that identity loss can show up in smaller ways, even in a moment, in a day. Um, but I can't wait to talk more about those kind of things because they're, and, and weave it and into the those. that plays out. <laughs> Exactly. Right in the same way. The spiritual element of it as well of like what it's there to deliver you through your growth or who you're supposed to become through that experience. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we've got so many, this is going to be a recurring segment. We've got so many, so much of what we experienced and the ways that I've processed it over the years and the ways I've re-spun out and then got on solid ground and then, you know, processed a full self-integration again not just my best most shiniest qualities but the the ways in which i'm piece of shit sometimes like i i just want to witness those i want to talk about those i just want to honor those and and in large part for me the way that i've processed that is through how we've shared that together so i have so been out you've been there for your spin out you've been there for my spin out you've been incredibly supportive throughout all of my spin out (laughs) Well, of course, bitch. I'm there for you. Love you so much. And I can't wait. I mean, we've got so much. Well, this is, it's all going to be like, I'll be doing an interview, this author, this maybe, you know, neuroscientist, who knows, all these people who are going to be on. And then I'm going to remember, oh yeah, what about that gorgeous one? And we're coming right back for more. It's going to be There's been a lot of them. There's been a lot exactly anyway thank you so much for your support of my dreams and for your vision in your own life that keeps you um always striving for more and loving yourself and showing showing me the way in so many ways yeah you've been showing me the way through every step of my journey you've been along and been there for me so thank you love you love you too Thank you so much for listening. I so have loved having you here. And a huge thank you to Heather and Jackie. I'm enamored of their words and their wisdom and everything that they had to offer on this topic. Thank you so much to Antelope the Wild, the DJ Antelope, for use of his track Body Trouble for our theme music. My website is natalieq.com and I would love to connect with you there. Also on the socials at natalieq on Instagram. I've got a podcast or Facebook page as well. If you want to connect with me um, anywhere that is convenient for you, I would love a little note, how you found the show, who you are, what you're thinking. And um, again, appreciate your five-star reviews in advance. (laughs) Thank you for those, for that review you're about to leave right now. I will catch you in the next couple days. I'll be dropping some um, of our first episodes with our guests 
And then from there, it's going to be a weekly podcast, but just want to give you a little binge as my gift to you. And we will see you in the next couple days on the next episode. Thanks again.